There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Over the last three weeks on Christianity Works, we've been talking about the pain in our lives. This week, we're going to bring this series to a close by taking a look at the healing peace that comes with God's victory in our lives. Incredibly powerful stuff. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Yep, today we're going to take a look at the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you and the mighty impact it can have in your life here and now. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be sharing something truly special with you to help you live in victory on the days when the daily grind of life just seems to be grinding away at you more than it should be. We've been talking these last few weeks about pain relief for the soul. Sometimes pain is completely unavoidable. But here's the sad thing, and it's what we've been chatting about these past weeks. Much of the pain that we suffer is self-inflicted. It has to do with our own immaturities. We come at things like a child with selfishness or stubbornness or, or seeking the recognition of people. And then we wonder why things hurt so much, why we're so disappointed, why, why there's so much argument and strife and conflict. So last week in particular, we talked about those things and what God has to say on us growing up. And for some of us, in some areas of our lives, we just need to do some growing up. And when we do that growing up, well, I have to tell you, a lot of the pain goes away. But as I said, sometimes the world throws things at us that are way beyond our ability to cope. The death of a loved one, deep rejection, divorce maybe, maybe a sickness or an accident or something big. And it just hurts. Sometimes people plot against us, that they turn against us and reject us. And, well, you know the things that have happened in your life. And when we can end up feeling like a victim, like we're on the receiving end of things that just aren't our fault and it's not fair. And now I'm the victim. Sadly, whether it's as a result of one really big thing or an accumulation of lots of little things, many people live their lives as perpetual victims. My hunch is that that that's not how God wants us to live our lives. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Good people sometimes die young or suffer from illness. Good people are sometimes betrayed by their wives or their husbands. Good people sometimes lose their jobs and suffer financially. Good people sometimes watch their children die. Good people are so often innocent victims of war and strife and greed... There are almost 7 billion people on this planet today, 
and fully two-thirds of them don't have the basics of enough food, housing, clean drinking water or safety and security that they need to live their lives. In fact, there are many, many more people listening to this message today around the world who fall into that category than those who have enough of all those things. And so whether it's looking at it from a global scale like that or just looking at our own particular area of pain and suffering that we might be going through right at this moment, sometimes we rock back and we ask God, what were you thinking, God? Why do you let this go on? It feels as though God doesn't care and it feels as though we're the victim in all of this. My hunch is that a lot of people today who relate to what I've just been talking about, maybe you're one of them, and you're wondering, does God really have a heart for the weak and the downtrodden? Or do they need to live the rest of their lives as victims? There was a time when God was speaking to his people Israel through the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible, grab it. It's Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning at verse 1. Have a listen. The word of the Lord came to me, writes Ezekiel, Mortal, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, you shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you don't feed the sheep. You haven't strengthened the weak, you haven't healed the sick, you haven't bound up the injured, you haven't brought back the strayed, you haven't sought the lost, but with force and harshness you've ruled over them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and scattered they became food for all the wild animals. It seems that God wasn't pleased with the leaders of Israel, the shepherds as he calls them, who were making victims out of common ordinary people through their own misdeeds. Well, in a sense, words are cheap. question is, was God prepared to do anything about it? Let's read on, beginning at verse 11 in Ezekiel chapter 34. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they're among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, I will gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God to you, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pastures, but you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you've trodden down with your feet and drink what you've fouled with your feet? Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged and I will judge between the sheep and the sheep. Doesn't require much explanation, does it? God is a God who so loves his people. He rails against injustice. He rails against leaders who abuse their flock. Friend, whatever you are going through at the moment, whatever injustice, 
whatever pain, whatever that thing is that makes you feel as though you are the victim, it hasn't escaped God's attention. And his heart is very much for those who are weak. We've just read that. His heart is to reach out, to seek you out and to save you. And you know what? As you've heard his word for you right now, I believe that's exactly what he's been doing. He's come for you through his word today. And it is for this reason that God sent his son. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Friend, Jesus came for you as much as he came for anyone else. He came not as some rich, powerful king, but as a carpenter's son, not with great riches according to the world's measure, but with the riches of heaven to pour them out on you and on me and on anyone else who will place their trust in this Jesus. Jesus came to set the captives free. Sometimes that means a change in our circumstances, but you know, sometimes it doesn't. It always, though, means a change in who we are. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening to us, no matter how unfair it appears, this same Jesus suffered and died for us on a cross. He knows firsthand how injustice feels, and he came to give us peace and joy and strength right here in the middle of it all, the sort of peace and joy that you can't put into words. If pain relief for the soul is what you're looking for, then there's only one place that I've discovered it so far in my life. And that place is Jesus. He came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He came for you. And right in the middle of whatever we're travelling through, right in that place where we feel as though we are the victim, sometimes, let's be honest, we even feel as though it's our right to play the victim. Right there, Jesus came so that we would be victims no more. Jesus came to give us victory right in the middle of life, the life we're leading now. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. (laughs) 
However it is that pain comes into our lives, whether as a result of something completely beyond our control or as a result of our own immaturity or selfishness, I believe God wants to deal with it, to heal it, to give us victory right in the middle of the pain. If it is a result of our own sin, and that's what sin does, it, it promises so much, but actually it ends up causing us great pain. If you know some sin in your life right now, perhaps it's unforgiveness or pride or whatever it is, and you know it's causing you pain, then I want to encourage you to take it to God right now. Ask him to forgive you, turn away from it and turn back to him because that's the place where healing starts. God means for us to learn through our trials. He means for us to grow in maturity. We've looked at this passage a couple of times, but I want to read it again because it puts the whole pain thing into context. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom... Ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it'll be given to you. And whether or not the circumstances that are causing the pain change straight away in our lives, God wants us to have victory, oftentimes right in the middle of those circumstances, right in the face of the adversity that's confronting us. Question is, what does that victory look like? Now, the Bible's a huge book. Actually, it's, it's 66 books if you add the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And there are thousands of stories and situations set out in the 700 to 800,000 words in the Bible. But none grips me more than Jesus praying alone a prayer for you and me just before he was betrayed and crucified. If anyone at any time in history had a reason to be concerned for himself rather than others, it would have been Jesus right at this moment. You and I would probably have been worried about saving our own skins. Jesus, on the other hand, was willing to lay down his life so that you and I could be forgiven our sin and have eternal life. As he said earlier in John chapter 10, verse 17 and onwards, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. In other words, Jesus was no victim here. He was going to the cross of his own free will, suffering for you and me out of his great love. I wonder, had I been in his shoes, how much more I would have felt like a victim. But in the face of a brutal, painful, gruesome, torturous, lingering death, slowly suffocating as he hung suspended by nails through his hands and feet. Jesus prayed for you and me. Let's listen to what he prayed. John chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I've made your name known to those whom you've given to me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and they know in truth that I came from you. 
and they've believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. See how Jesus is praying for us? I'm asking on their behalf, not on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you've given me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be as one as you and I are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now... I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word. The world's hated them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, Father, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They don't belong in the world, just as I don't belong in the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. You know, beautiful prayer. Here is Jesus about to be crucified, and he prays quite a few things for you and me, but the main thing is that he's given us his word, the truth, and because of that, we no longer belong to the world. We're in it, but we don't belong to it. Aliens, if you will, in a foreign, albeit familiar land. And when we're suffering... The thing that we most want is to be taken out of those circumstances that are causing us the suffering. But that's not what Jesus asked his father to do. Let's look at it again. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They don't belong to the world, just as I don't. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. Don't take them out of it, Dad. Strengthen them and protect them through it. And with that, he heads off to Gethsemane where he prayed, in effect, exactly the same thing for himself. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, the cup being the suffering. Yet not my will, but let your will be done. Suffering what he was about to suffer wasn't his first choice. But he bowed down his will to his father and he suffered it anyway. Was he a victim in his suffering? No. On that cross... And through the empty tomb, Jesus won the greatest victory in all history. He won salvation, eternal life, forgiveness for you and for me and for countless others. Even though he suffered so greatly and hanging, dying there on a cross, he looked such a failure. Friends, sometimes we're called to suffer. Oftentimes it doesn't make sense. It's not our first choice. Our first choice is to be taken out of that place. But that's not always what God does. Jesus didn't ask his dad to beam us up. He asked him to protect us and strengthen us and set us apart by his power and his word. And here's what I've experienced sometimes in the middle of suffering that doesn't make sense. A peace that's so powerful. It's so beyond anything I've ever experienced anywhere else. It completely surpasses any understanding or explanation. It just doesn't make sense. And it's exactly the thing that Jesus goes on to pray for you and for me in the rest of John chapter 17. I want to encourage you, go and read that chapter for yourself. Friend, God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants us to be humble and strong, assailed yet peaceful, right in the middle of the storm. That's what victory, that's what his victory, that's what it looks like. 
And it's that victory that's the sweetest victory of all. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. More often than not, the pain we experience in life comes through our relationships. It's not easy being in relationships with imperfect people, especially given how flawed we ourselves can be. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet called Dealing with Difficult People. And with the questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to chew things over to apply God's Word right into your most difficult relationships. Because His Word is alive and active. Amen? So I'm praying that God will help you find healing in some of your difficult relationships through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Now, let's head back into God's Word. Well, victory is one thing. But what's meant to happen when we have the victory? Remember, I'm not necessarily talking about changing things in our lives that are causing us pain. Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes God chooses to leave us right in the middle of the circumstances causing us pain. Maybe a boss who treats us harshly or or a spouse who doesn't show the love that we want, whatever. God leaves us there because he wants us to discover his victory in the middle of the battle. That's the sweetest victory of all. And so often once we learn that lesson, then he allows the circumstances to change. Remember, our trials, our suffering are the place where we grow into maturity, into that place where we are complete and lacking in nothing. James chapter 1, we looked at that earlier. It always strikes me as a powerful lesson that when God brought Israel, his chosen people, out of their slavery in Egypt, through 40 years in the wilderness to the threshold of the promised land, the land that he'd promised to them through their father Abraham centuries before, instead of letting them just waltz in and inhabit the land, they had to go in, and take it by force, starting with that famous victory at Jericho, battle after battle, town after town, kingdom after kingdom, God's people had to take the land that their God had promised them. Nothing's changed. God's kingdom is our promised land, and we take it battle by battle in our lives. Sometimes the battles are going on, and we wonder, man, have I wandered off course? Am I getting this wrong? Let me tell you, the moment that you and I step out, Accept Jesus as our Saviour the moment we decide that our lives are going to count for his glory here on this earth. You and I have stepped onto a battlefield and all the powers of hell will be unleashed against us. But here's what happened when they'd taken the land. Listen to this. Joshua chapter 21, verse 44. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he'd sworn to their ancestors. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given them all their enemies into their hands. What happens after the victory is rest on every side. Peace. And so often people win the battle, but they lose the peace. The events in Iraq over recent years was a perfect example. It doesn't end with a victory in the battle. The peace is there for our taking. And we need to win the peace. We need to take the peace. That's what comes next after victory. 
can't tell you the number of times that I've been in the midst of a battle in life, struggling, wrestling with it, learning to live through it God's way. And when I do that, when I lay it down, when I repent of my own sin, when I turn the other cheek, whatever it is that God's calling me through his word to do, what happens then is that I enter into God's rest. We are meant to be in his peace. But that peace can be elusive. We experience it in prayer for for what seems like a fleeting moment and then it's back into the day-to-day realities of life and and all that peace seems to just kind of evaporate. Never experienced that. Well, we need to take the peace and to live in it. And the only way that I've learned to do that is to spend more and more time with Jesus, praying and reading his word, reading those stories of old, reading about how God saved his people over and over again, letting the Spirit of God write the story of God's faithfulness on my heart. And little by little, my friend, what happens is that we discover God's peace. We start living in his rest. His peace, instead of being a fleeting moment, becomes something that abides in us, that dwells in us, because the closer we draw to Jesus, the more we experience not just his victory, but his peace and his rest. Friend, I'm not speaking to you out of some theory book or textbook. I'm speaking to you out of my life. God means for us to have his rest. Let me leave you with that truth right out of God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that, my friend, is what God wants for my life and yours. His peace right in the middle of that deep, dark valley. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.